Despite the exponential increase in end time signs predicted in the Bible, most people are still operating under the assumption that things are just going to return to normal. It's an attitude of, let's move on, there's nothing to see here. However, for those carefully watching the signs of the times, it's no surprise that atomic scientists who predict the so-called doomsday clock have announced that we're living in a time of unprecedented danger. The so-called doomsday clock has been advanced to 90 seconds until midnight. What hope do we have? Does this word of God have anything to say on the matter? The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Atomic scientists have moved the doomsday clock forward from 100 seconds to midnight to 90 seconds to midnight. That's the closest it's been to midnight since the clock's inception in 1947. The announcement prompted the World Health Organization to urge countries to begin stockpiling medications for nuclear emergencies. The hands of the doomsday clock were moved forward because of the mounting dangers of Russia's war in Ukraine. Atomic scientists say we're living the closest to global annihilation that has ever been. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which includes nuclear and climate experts, decides the time on the doomsday clock, although we know that ultimately God is in control of end-time events. As stated dramatically in Joel 3.14, there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Also, Zephaniah 1.14 declares, The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. To awaken self-confident sinners, the prophet Zephaniah emphasized the near approach and terrible nature of God's coming judgment. Midnight on the doomsday clock represents what the Bible calls Armageddon, referring to Mount Megiddo, the place of the last battle referenced in Revelation 16:16. 16, 16. But it seems the public hasn't gotten the memo that we really are on the brink of nuclear war. Russia's serious threats to use nuclear weapons should alert us to the reality that escalation of the conflict is at a terrible risk. The possibility that the conflict could spin out of control by accident, miscalculation, or intention remains high. The UN Secretary General has warned that the world has entered, quote, a time of nuclear danger not seen since the height of the Cold War. And while it's no surprise that Russia and Iran are working together, their relationship has reached a new level, as predicted in the book of Ezekiel. Russia is now sending fighter jets to Iran, and Iran is reciprocating by supplying Russia with assassin drones for its war in Ukraine. And now Russia is preparing a new offensive in Ukraine with one and a half million troops. Ukraine is receiving all sorts of military equipment from the nations, 
while the Russians have geared up a warship armed with hypersonic missiles within shooting range of the UK, as well as major East Coast American cities. This is brinkmanship on steroids. Indeed, we're on the verge of a hot war between Russia and Western powers. And the alliance between Russia and Iran is especially dangerous for Israel. Just to add more fuel to the proverbial fire, Iran's mullahs have made significant advances in their genocidal threat to destroy Israel. Iran's capacity to enrich uranium is reportedly a short step away from fully operational nuclear weapons, meaning the war between Israel and Iran becomes more certain by the day. In fact, Israel has continually warned of a possible military confrontation with Iran. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu insists that Israel will not wait until, as he said, the sword is on our neck. Rather, he says no Israeli leader would accept a radical Iranian regime with nuclear weapons. In fact, the USA and Israel have been preparing for the showdown by conducting the most significant joint military exercise to date. Israel Defense Forces and U.S. Central Command launched a large-scale unprecedented drill involving over 140 aircraft, including B-52 heavy bombers, F-35s, F-15s, F-16s, Hercules transport planes, and Apache helicopters. Also involved in the joint exercises were 12 naval vessels, including a submarine, and artillery systems from both countries. The exercise involved dozens of rocket launches and actual bombing of targets set up in Israel's Negev Desert to simulate Iranian nuclear sites. More than 1,000 Israeli soldiers participated with 6,400 American soldiers. And a senior American defense official said the purpose of the joint exercise was to send a message to Iran that the ongoing war in Ukraine will not distract the attention of the Americans from the Middle East. An American Army general also stated that the exercises sent a message to Iran and China of what Israel and the USA are capable of doing. Of course, the prophet Ezekiel predicted this confrontation long ago, stating in Ezekiel 38.5 that Persia, which is modern-day Iran, will come against the regathered Jewish state in the latter days. Events eventually catch up with Bible prophecy because the previous regime in Iran, before the mullahs took over, was an ally with Israel, but now it's Israel's most mortal enemy. Because Iran is already fulfilling Bible prophecy through its hostility, we are surely living in the end times. But when the war between Iran and Israel breaks out, God himself promises to become involved in the conflict. Iran's mullahs think that their hatred of Israel will bring sure victory, but God has different plans. In protecting Jerusalem, God will send a strong message to the world, as prophesied in Ezekiel 39, 7. He said, I will make known my holy name among my people Israel, and I will no longer let my holy name be profane. And the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One in Israel. 
There are many other signs of the times pointing to the fact that the church age is winding up and Jesus will soon return to take charge of this planet. It certainly didn't fail to catch my attention when a bulletin was published recently warning that an enormous asteroid was coming dangerously close to colliding with our world, coming more than 30 times closer to Earth than the moon. The book of Revelation describes a scenario of an asteroid described as a burning mountain falling from the sky. Listen to Revelation 8.8. The apostle John said, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. In other words, a burning mass the size of a mountain will be hurled down onto earth, creating a major catastrophe. The sea becoming blood is reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt in the book of Exodus. And this fiery mass in the book of Revelation definitely will come as a judgment upon earth from heaven. In medical-related news, healthcare spending is at record high levels. National systems are struggling to cope. The combined efforts of the pandemic and a rapidly aging population are straining medical and social care services. And sudden deaths, excess deaths, beyond the usual numbers of deaths are soaring and the crisis appears to be global. The World Health Organization admits that approximately 15 million excess deaths have occurred worldwide in the past two years. But when you think about it, people have been dropping dead ever since sin entered the Garden of Eden. However, these frequent news reports about the increase in sudden deaths should remind us all to be ready at any moment to meet our Maker. We never know what a day will bring. Even if we believe in the glorious doctrine of the rapture, that's the imminent appearing of the Lord to catch believers away and we will escape death. If it doesn't happen in our lifetime, we have to be prepared for the inevitability of death. We simply cannot put off to tomorrow or to some vague time in the future to receive the world's only Savior. If a person dies in their sins, they will enter eternity in the excrement of their sins. It'll be too late to have one's sins washed away and forgiven. But if you receive the Savior now, He promises to exchange His righteousness for your sins, our sins. His righteousness will be imputed to all who believe by faith. Jesus, Yeshua, is His Hebrew name, took our sins to the cross Now all we have to do is acknowledge our need of the Savior and receive Him, the free gift of eternal life. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Yet, as prophesied in the Bible, the love of many is running cold. Nuclear threats are coming out of Russia and ominously anti-Semitism is on the rise again. There's talk of climate control lockdowns and artificial intelligence with its surveillance tracking systems, all signs that Jesus will soon return to rule this planet as only he can do. But in the meantime, we're having to cope with the lawlessness in many nations and the insanity happening when people reject the love of the truth. So God gives them over to a debased, depraved mind. And so people are not capable of thinking straight. 
They're insisting in their right not to be offended. And some are being arrested even for their thoughts and not just because of their words or actions. These are indeed perilous times and we sigh and we protest, crying, Oh Lord, how long, how long? Yet let's keep in mind the main sign of the end times, besides the rebirth of the state of Israel. Jesus warned the main sign will be deception, the chief characteristic of the last days. And deception comes in many guises, so we have to be careful. Just a few years ago, the name Chrislam emerged to fuse Christianity and Islam. And many naive churchgoers are accepting this hybrid of Chrislam as truth. While both faiths may have some things in common, Christianity and Islam do not serve the same God, and the centrality of the cross is negated. The Bible warns us not to mix truth with half-truths and falsehoods. The Catholic Muslim Interfaith Council, created by Pope Francis, announced the building of the Abrahamic Family House, one of many steps toward the establishment of a one-world religion. The Abrahamic Family House is an interfaith complex in Abu Dhabi. The undertaking was inspired by the document on human fraternity signed by Pope Francis on behalf of the Catholic Church with the Al-Azhar Mosque in Abu Dhabi in 2019. So how important do you think it is for believers to have a biblical worldview? As I've mentioned in previous broadcasts, according to a recent poll, Sadly, only a third of evangelical pastors have a biblical worldview versus the syncretism that's endemic in our culture. But Christianity is a worldview. The notion is becoming popular to say that Christians should only share the gospel and not get involved in the issues of the day. But in the past, Christians have always influenced the culture. So we mustn't try to cut Christianity off from the culture or from politics. In the past, Judeo-Christian values shaped Britain, Europe, and the Americas by influencing laws and educational systems. But now even young believers are buying into socialism, which has no ethical morality attached to it, because socialism is not benevolent giving. Socialism usurps and takes one's hard-earned goods to distribute to others. Our times call for strong Christians to go against the current. Let's not become a promoter of the culture to the church. That would be an inversion, but let's promote biblical faith to the culture. Syncretism, the fusing of Christianity with other religions and ideas, is also exhibited in so-called Christian yoga. Many naive professing believers claim that Christian yoga is just an innocent form of exercise and they assume it's okay to bring it into church halls. However, you may be surprised to learn that the word yoga comes from a Sanskrit root meaning to yoke or to unite. Should believers be yoked with bodily positions, sounds, meditations, breathing exercises associated with Hindu gods? Scripture warns us not to be unequally yoked. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not become unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For he asked, 
What partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? He also wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake in the table of the Lord and also the table of demons. You see, for the believer, there can be no divided loyalties. Many testimonies are available on the internet of individuals who were delivered from the deception of Christian yoga. And yet many churches keep ignorantly or willfully promoting it. And of course, the culture promotes it. Women don't seem to be cognizant of stepping out in public nowadays in tight form revealing yoga pants, which leave nothing to the imagination. And of course, the toy industry doesn't miss any opportunity. There's a yoga Barbie doll sitting with crossed legs and palms upward, offering to lead the owner in meditation exercises. And what about Halloween? It's promoted even in some churches as harmless fun. But every year when Halloween rolls around, it's an opportunity for the powers of darkness to invade homes and churches. So here's a reality we all have to learn. When Christianity blends with the culture, when pagan elements are accepted, then the paranormal increases. Supernatural phenomenon may occur. That's why many Christians become oppressed and they start to need deliverance from apparitions, voices, sicknesses, and other disturbances because they have in their homes occult items that are forbidden by the Bible. Objects like an Ouija board or Hindu idols and so forth, all attracting hidden powers. So if you own occult items, you are granting the powers of darkness license to visit their property in your home. Think about that. All powers of darkness need to be renounced in a believer's life. The Bible forbids dabbling in the occult. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verses 10 to 12 warn, Let no one be found amongst you, God says, who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritualist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. For many years, when my husband and I worked with evangelist Reinhard Bonka in Africa, he encouraged people to bring the occult items from their house and burn them publicly. And when they did, many were set free from demonic oppression. Another end time sign is the green agenda, which has become the 21st century's obsession and new religion. Yet listen to Genesis 8:22. I cannot emphasize enough. The Lord says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Let me repeat that. According to God Almighty, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and hot, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Yet, climate change fears brought about the latest climate summit in Egypt. And now a religious component has been added. Climate repentance with a new Ten Commandments. And some leaders have even dared to come up with a third new covenant with the earth. 
Anyone who proposes a third covenant is unbiblical because the new covenant of the Bible is God's everlasting covenant. We mustn't add to the word of God. Also, we must not worship Mother Earth. Our worship belongs to Father God. With such apostasy taking hold of churches, it's not surprising that, according to a recent report in the Daily Mail, Satanism is on the rise in Britain. Millions have abandoned Christianity, mostly for no religion. But the number of Satanists in England and Wales has more than doubled in the past decade. A most disturbing sign is that children are being targeted, sometimes without the knowledge of their parents. They're given hormone blockers and being told that they can be any gender they want to be, that men can have babies, and so forth. And speaking of children, I'd like to ask, when did you become a believer? Were you young or older in life? I hope everybody within the sound of my voice is already a believer and a follower of Jesus. But statistics show that it's important to become a believer very young in life because 85% of evangelicals became a believer between the ages of 4 to 14, according to a survey. And only 4% of evangelicals became believers after the age of 30. These statistics tell us how important it is to reach the youth with the gospel. It's like there's a window of time when the chances are the greatest to receive a saving knowledge of the Lord when we're young. And at the same time, young people are perhaps the most vulnerable to temptations. Temptations come not just in things or substances, but in the form of associations that we develop. Think of each person in your life as a stream, either carrying you forward towards your positive life goals or drifting you away from your purpose in life. The worth of any friendship or association can be measured by their influence on God's plan for your life. It's so important to strive to be an influencer. Let's influence people to believe in Jesus, to uphold the Ten Commandments, to uphold order in society, to be pro-life, to see that every life is a gift. Family issues are critical because people haven't been taught the Bible principle of forgiveness and not allowing the sun to go down on their anger before being reconciled with loved ones. The sad ongoing saga of Prince Harry and Meghan shows what happens when family communications break down. The fifth commandment, Exodus 20:12, teaches us, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded. Why? It says, so that your days may be long upon the earth and so that it may go well with you. Have you ever thought of honoring your parents as a health benefit? Yet that verse in the Ten Commandments says it is a key to long life and success. But Western pop culture tells you that youth are to be extolled and that our elders have little to offer. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's just so dangerous to depart from Scripture. There's always trouble when people promote their own truth rather than God's unchanging truth. Well, the prophecies of Ezekiel and the book of Daniel tell us many of the nations will be involved in end-time events. The predictions of Ezekiel, made over 2,600 years ago, 
line up very closely with the current alignment of nations that we see emerging today, such as the Islamic nations mentioned in Psalm 83, forming coalitions to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, and northern and eastern nations that are making efforts to establish a one-world order. For example, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization is a mutual security, political, and economic alliance bringing together almost half the world's population and several member nations have nuclear weapons. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization includes China, India, Pakistan, and Russia. Their goal is to eliminate the dominance of the United States as a financial and political superpower. Meanwhile, the United Nations and the World Economic Forum are on the forefront of efforts to institute the One World Government. The UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has concluded that population growth and economic consumption growth are the two main causes of global warming. But God himself has a few choice words to say about the depopulation agendas. According to Revelation 6:8. One quarter of the world's people will be killed by war, famine, and plagues in the Great Tribulation. So the stage for the Lord's return is being set. Prophecy is unfolding in an escalating pattern as foretold by the Hebrew prophets and the New Testament. The season of the birth pains Jesus said to watch for is here. Time is short. Be sure you're trusting in Jesus for salvation and keep busy reaching the lost. It's only natural that young people should want to live out their lives, but the biblical doctrines of the rapture and the second coming of Jesus teach us to sanctify our individual lives. As 1 John 3, 3 states, whoever has this hope of the Lord's turn keeps himself pure. We keep ourselves ready. Yet the enemy of our souls regularly seeks to discourage us and to pull us down. Affirming the love, the faithfulness, the goodness of God is a powerful way to defeat the enemy. In the Psalms, King David constantly asked God for help in his struggles. And in these uncertain days, we try to keep you informed through our website, exploits.tv, which continually reports on Bible prophecy and end-time events relating to the church and Israel. I invite you to sign up for Electronic Exploits News at our website. And we have uploaded a library of videos available free to watch 24-7 at our Jerusalem Channel app, as well as our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site. In the meantime, Daniel 11.32b declares the people who know their God will be strong not weak, and will carry out exploits, meaning will accomplish the works of the Lord before his imminent return. Have any questions? Feel free to contact me on social media. May the grace of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. I'm Christine Dark. Maranatha.